0: This is the 200 Churches Podcast. My name is Jeff Cady, and it is good to be back with you. Johnny and I have taken an eight-month hiatus. I don't really know what a hiatus is, but it sounds good. I think it means a break, uh, a break in the action. And Johnny and I took uh, eight months off. We have not put out a podcast in eight months, and this month marks nine years ago that we started podcasting with the 200 Churches Podcast. Now, at that time in 2013, man, it, mo- many many people—if not most people—yeah, most people probably did not know what a podcast was. Today, podcasts are ubiquitous. Basically, if you if you have a first, middle, and last name, you have a podcast. And over 20—well, that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but not much of one. Over 2020 and 2021. All of us were busy and inundated with life in all of its varying and challenging forms. And uh, recently, I was, in fact, just tonight, I was texting with Johnny, we were going back and forth, and I told him, I want back in the game. And I want back in the game for two major reasons. Number one, I truly believe that I and Johnny and us together, and even us separately, have something to offer pastors in our life experiences and our ministry experiences and our podcasting experience we do we we happen to think of course Johnny thinks a lot of himself i actually think more of him than he thinks of himself but he thinks of himself a lot he jokes that he's got ego to spare i happen to think that both of us have something to offer pastors so the second reason uh, I want back in the game, actually I have three reasons, <laughs> is that I, I miss the growth of interacting with guests that we have in our podcast. We have had so many fantastic people over the years, and I grow and I learn in trying to share that learning with other people through the podcast, and so I miss that. And then the third reason is, and I suppose it was connected to the first one, that we that we have something to offer to pastors, but that I really care for pastors. I care for you. Uh, I may not know your name. In fact, I hope I don't know your name. I hope enough of you are listening uh, that I don't know your name. But if you're a pastor, I know you. I know probably personally hundreds of pastors I know what you deal with, I know the things you struggle with, and I care, I I really do. And I know that Johnny deeply cares for other pastors as well. Uh, And so if, when we started nine years ago, we thought, let's see, if we could get, if we could even have a dozen pastors listening, and we could build into their lives, it would be worth it. And I think I upped it at one point with great faith, I up that number to fifteen. If we could have 15, 15 pastors, and and now with almost uh, three quarters of a million downloads later, uh, I suppose I suppose we hit that mark. Uh, but I kind of want to go back. I want to go back. Just like in church these days, numbers uh, are different. I want to think about our podcast as something different because I'm not going to speak to everybody. I will not scratch everybody's itch. Johnny will not scratch everybody's itch. And by the way, if you're just catching this podcast, you don't know who Jeff is. You don't know who Johnny is. Go to 200churches.com, 200churches.com, and go to the About page, and nothing has been touched on that page for probably over a year, but you'll get an idea of who we are. We've just been podcasting with a mission of encouraging pastors of small churches, ministry encouragement for pastors of small churches. That's been our our focus uh, for a long time. So I, I asked Johnny, I said, what do you think pastors need these days? And you know, just like anything, a quick Google search took me to a recent Lifeway Research post uh, by a guy named Aaron Earls. And he said, after speaking directly with pastors to gather their perspectives on their ministry and personal challenges, Lifeway Research surveyed 1,000 U.S. pastors for the 2022 Greatest Needs of Pastors study to discover what they see as their most pressing issues. I thought, Well, that's kind of interesting. What are pastors' most pressing issues? Well, if I were to sit down and write them out, I probably would have gotten 75% of these right because these are the things that all of us struggle with. And they listed, of the 44 needs identified, they listed 17 on here. Uh, The greatest being developing leaders and volunteers. 77% of respondents said basically their greatest need, developing leaders and volunteers. I don't believe that. I don't think that's their greatest need. I think that's a smokescreen. I think that's an easy one. Because what they did is they looked at their ministry needs, but also their personal needs. And so they're mixed, they're both mixed into this list. And the highest one is actually a ministry need that they identified, developing leaders and volunteers. But I think I think a pastor's greatest need are his personal needs. Because when those personal needs get met, then the ministry needs, I think, have a much better opportunity to take care of themselves. And so what I want to do just today, just for today, for a few minutes, pastor, man or woman, doesn't matter. If you're leading a church, I'm speaking to you. A denomination doesn't matter. If you're leading a group of people as a spiritual leader, I'm speaking to you. And especially if you're in a smaller church, I'm speaking to you. Consistency in personal prayer was the number one personal need that pastors identified. Consistency in personal prayer. So there's three big words there, right? The consistency word and then personal not leading in ministry prayer, but personal, and then prayer, 72% responded that that was a big need. So I want to talk to you about that for a minute because this is a perennial. This is a perennial, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I am going to have a New Year's resolution. I am going to pray more. Pastor, pray more. Does it ever happen? Is it always like the next year, it is, again, your your number one item on your get better, do more, work harder agenda. So I just want to talk to you about this for a minute because what I'm interested in is why. Why are you saying that's your greatest need? And here's what I think. I think that you feel guilty for not praying more. I might say we. Could I say we? I'll throw myself in with you. I'll be there. Feeling guilty for not praying more. This part isn't in the article. Everything I say from here on out is not in that article uh, by Lifeway Research. Guilty for not praying more. That's why. And therefore, then you don't pray. Well, that makes a lot of sense, right? You feel guilty for not praying, so the guilt that you have causes you to not go to God because you're not deserving, you're not worthy on and on and on. And so I've got a thought. How about if we just got over ourselves, if we just got over ourselves and believe God enough to just pray? That's my encouragement to you today. Just pray. Just pray. You know, the Father is waiting to receive you. You knock on the door, come on in. You come in, hey, have a seat. I've been waiting for you. What's on your mind? I can't wait to hear it. I could just see God saying that. He has us come in. He's got a great seat for us. He gives us something to drink. He takes off our shoes and puts some comfortable slippers on our feet. He, he tells us to kick the chair back, pull up the leg, the leg lift and recline back and just relax. What, what's going on? Tell me what's on your mind. I've been waiting for you. You know, we see in that story about the prodigal son, a father who's waiting for the son, no matter how much the kid is messed up. Because it's not about that. It's not about our mess-ups. It's about the father's love. So just pray. Just pray, because the father loves. God loves us. and And even if you have no words, presence over words just be with him even in silence just just sit there sit there and be with god and and know you know get let's get rid of this guilt thing know that we're forgiven we're no longer guilty but we're blameless in his sight you, you men and women you know we will preach till our eyes bleed to other people that god has forgiven them god loves them god cares about them go to god he's there for you and yet those words never do a yui and come right back at us why is that so hard to to believe that i'm forgiven that i'm no longer guilty you forgiven and no longer guilty you blameless in his sight so let, let me just talk to you for just a minute. Uh, let me just talk to you for a minute from God's Word. Matthew chapter 6, he says, when you pray, you know, don't, don't be like the hypocrites, but when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Man, that, that's, that's not rocket science, is it? Just Pray. Just go into an empty room and close the door. Pull the shade and talk to God, who is unseen. And then your father, who sees what is done in secret, he'll reward you. Will he really? How will he reward us? Do do we not believe that when he says he'll reward us, he will reward us? Years ago, uh, I was in the living room and my son, who was, at the time, I think he would have been probably four years old. He comes ripping into the living room, comes in the front door, into the living room. Dad, Dad, you've got to see this. You've got to see this. And I, I run outside with him. He goes, come here, come here. He takes me to the side yard, and he has me look clear across the parking lot, over the soccer fields, and he's pointing to the sky. And the sun is setting in the sky, and there's this beautiful uh, sunset in the clouds and the the rays of the sun. And he says, look, Dad, look, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. He's coming on the clouds because he saw these beautiful billowing clouds with all this color and sunshine and wonder. And he believed that when it said Jesus would come back in the clouds, he saw those clouds, and how beautiful it was. And he thought Jesus was coming right then. He had to get me out there to see Jesus come. And I looked at his face, and I looked into his eyes, and I said, dear God, he actually believes this. He thinks Jesus is coming. And in that moment, I realized uh, the faith of a child, do I believe? Do I believe like that? And And ever since then, I mean, this was, this would have been four, 20, this would have been 25 years ago. I have never forgotten the feeling of that moment. And it challenges me to this day to when I read something in the scriptures, do I believe? And so when it says here, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I'm not looking for the reward. You're not looking for the reward. But God said, I'll reward you. I'm going to bless you. And he says, when you pray, don't don't keep on babbling, but, but when you pray, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, God. Your will, your will be done right here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today, today, just for this day, our daily bread, what we need. And forgive us, God. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. We have forgiven. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. If you don't know what to pray, there's a prayer. There's a prayer. Some people call it the Our Father. Uh, some people call it the Lord's Prayer. It doesn't matter what you call it. If you have if you have no idea what to pray, go into a room, shut the door, pull the blinds or the shades, and read Matthew chapter six, verses nine through thirteen, because Jesus said, "This then is how you should pray." This is how you should pray. And there's something about it being in secret because God God would know for us pastors that when we're in secret, we can pray. When we're not, when we're before the masses, whether they be two, 20, 200, 2000, doesn't matter. We struggle with the performance piece. We struggle with just being us and God because it's not just us and God. It's us, God, and everyone else who's out there. Paul says rejoice rejoice always, and then he says pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God's will is for us to rejoice. That's not feeling guilty for what we haven't done. God's will is for us to pray continually, to be in that relationship with him where, where we can just call out to him. We don't have to stop and kneel and have a a, a proper beginning and body and ending and all that. No, no, it's just, It's just in communion with God. And to be thankful, to have thankful, joyful hearts in communion with God. He says, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. He says, don't quench the spirit. And don't treat prophecies with contempt, but let them, uh, test them all. And hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. He says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. We talked about being guilty. We talked about feeling less than, unqualified, dirty, because we haven't been faithful. We haven't lived up to our own expectations. And again, pastors, I'm talking to us. I'm not talking to normal human beings. I'm talking to pastors May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. God is the one who's sanctifying us. God is the one who's making us more like Jesus. God is the one who's cleansing us. He says, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then here's the clincher, verse 24 of 1 Thessalonians 5. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. He will do it. God will do it because he's faithful. You know, I, many of you are, are probably fathers. I'm a father and, and a grandfather, and I want to be known by my grandkids and by my kids as faithful, that especially, of course, now for my grandkids, I can pick them up, most of them. I uh, can't pick up my kids anymore unless there were a fire, then I could hoist them up and get them out of there. But when I pick them up, I want them to understand that I'm faithful and I love them and I'm not going to drop them. I'm not going to let go of them. I'm not going to hurt them. And it says the one who calls you is faithful. If our kids and our grandkids can trust us to be faithful to them, can we trust God to be faithful to us? And it says he will do it. He's the one who's gonna keep our body and our soul and our spirit blameless until Jesus comes. You know, there's never a time when we can't walk into God's presence. There's never a time. I remember several times years ago when I'd be in my office or I'd be in my bedroom or I'd be in the family room and one of my kids would walk in. They say, Dad, can we talk? Dad, can we talk? I remember one who came in he was so nervous. He was so nervous. I mean, he was sweating bullets. His palms were sweaty. He was rubbing them on his on his pants, and he was shifting in his seat. Dad, dad I I, I got to tell you something. I got to tell you something. I, 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 I got to tell you something. I don't want to tell you. He wanted to tell me that he, like so many kids, had actually committed a sin. He had done something wrong, and he needed to come clean with his dad, and he talked to me about it, and we prayed together and we hugged and we cried and we moved on and this child has a great life a great life and i'd like to think that part of the reason why this child has a great life is because they have a father who loves them and cares for them and if i'm talking about myself right you guys women how much how much better the god in heaven pastors have they say their greatest need is more consistency in prayer. Really? Really? Why is that? Why? Because when we don't pray, we feel guilty, and that keeps us from prayer. That, that's the number one reason. That is the number one reason. We'll say it's busyness. We'll say it's, it's all kinds of other things. That is the number one reason you feel guilty because you didn't pray yesterday. Therefore, you avoid God and you don't pray today. And we act like elementary school age kids. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. And what I'm trying to do is encourage you to just pray. Trust that God has made you qualified and clean and capable and able and worthy to come to him. Go in a room, close the door, pull the blinds, and read Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. If you can't think of anything else to pray or just sit in silence with God, set your timer for five minutes and say, God, I love you. I wanted to spend this time with you. And do it consistently. How do you do it consistently? Don't feel guilty. Stop feeling guilty. You say, well, no, well, Jeff, you're going soft on sin. No, I'm not going soft on sin. God has taken care of sin for us. Jesus died on the cross to take away our sin, to take the fangs and the venom out of the 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 snake of sin. There, there, there's no bite there. There's no poison there anymore. God has made us blameless and pure. We can come to him in prayer, and he's waiting for us. Some years ago, one of my kids was in an accident, and they were in the uh, intensive care unit, and they were in a coma. And I remember day after day after day sitting by their bed, holding their hand, longing for their eyes to open so that I could see them. Like they were there. They were laying there in the bed but I wanted their eyes to open. I wanted to see their eyes and I wanted them to see me and I wanted them to know how much I love them. And, and you know, I, I just gotta thank God. God is just waiting. It's like we're laying there in a coma. God's just waiting for us to open up our eyes and to look him in the eye so he can, can communicate with us how extremely he loves us. Hey, one more passage of scripture in Hebrews. I'll let you guess where it is. In Hebrews, it says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way, open for us through the curtain, that is, his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. And here's the phrase I want you to hear like like a thunderclap. For he who promised is faithful. It's not about your faithfulness. For you to come to God in prayer is not about your faithfulness. It's about God's faithfulness. It's about being cleansed from a guilty conscience. It's about coming to God through this curtain that is the body of Christ and allowing him to be our great high priest and to give us confidence to enter the most holy place Uh, Men and women, this is is deep, deep theology, deeply theological, That, that, that we come to God through Christ. And he says, for he who promised is faithful. Dear God, do not let prayer be the thing that you say is the number one need in your life. For the triune God literally moved heaven and earth out of the way so that you could open your eyes, laying on that ICU bed, intensive care unit, and you feel like you're on life support, and God is saying, open your eyes, look at me, look me in the eye, see how faithful I am, see how much I love you, see how much I call you my son, My daughter, I just want to be with you. I want you to to know my presence, to know my power, to know my love. Don't, Don't let, don't, don't let prayer, don't let it be the thing that you stand in greatest need of when it's literally handed to us on a silver platter. You know, it's been years now that I have pushed away that guilt that would often keep me from coming to God in prayer. There are times when I don't. I get get caught up. I get distracted by the misdirection of the enemy. And I'm busy with other things, but I, I, I very often redirect myself back to what is truly important, and that is that God, my loving Father, simply wants to be with me. And to hear from me. And I just take that time. To just go in a room. Close the door. Pull the blinds. My Father. Who is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Pastor. uh, Church leader. Followers of Jesus. God bless you. God bless you. May 2022 be the greatest year of communion with God you have ever known do it by removing the guilt and receiving the freedom that Jesus gives us Galatians chapter 5 Jesus Paul writes it is for freedom that Jesus has set us free therefore do not let yourself be burdened again by this yoke of bondage don't don't feel the guilt. The enemy wants you to feel it. Don't feel it. Don't feel it. Open your eyes. Look into the eyes of God and sense his love. God bless you, Pastor. Again, may 2022 be your greatest, greatest year of communion with God you've ever had. We'll see you on the next episode of the 200 Churches Podcast.